the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Is WWTC Minneapolis St. Paul FM 107.5 K298CO Minneapolis Intelligent Radio? With SRN News, I'm Bob Agnew in Washington. Swing State, Pennsylvania is the stage for a clash of former presidents today. Each party's biggest stars working to energize voters just days before the voting concludes. Former President Obama. Opening the day at a Pittsburgh rally with Democratic Senate hopeful John Fetterman and former President Trump set to campaign for Dr. Oz. The former president spoke with the Salem Radio Network this week about foreign policy under the Biden administration, especially the Russian invasion of Ukraine. It would have never happened. There was no chance of that happening. And it didn't happen. It didn't happen. It wasn't even a point of discussion. And uh, just to see what to see the people being killed and just decimated over there and those cities falling down with missiles being shot at them and uh, the way we're handling it. And you could end up in, in a third world war over it. And that would be that would be the biggest of them all. This is SRN News. These are the official rules for all contests on Salem Media Group and Salem Communications Holding Corporation stations in the Twin Cities. Collectively, Salem TC from time to time will conduct contests. No purchase necessary to enter or win. If for any reason a prize is not available, a substitute prize may be offered. Winners will be limited to one prize every 30 days. Winners of a major prize will be limited to one every 365 days. A major prize is any prize with a value of more than $1,000. Participants and winners must be U.S. residents that are responsible for any and all taxes. For full contest rules, see this station's website. Hey, don't forget to join us on Tuesday night, 8 p.m., for live coverage of the GOP election night from headquarters in the St. Louis Park. The Northern Alliance Radio Network will be there breaking it all down. Brought to you by North Oaks Financial Services. This is AM 1280, The Patriot. Let's take a look at your weather. Today, cloudy, high of 44. Tomorrow, sunny and a high of 52. The Narn with Mitchburg is next. Portions of this program may have been pre-recorded. The views expressed on the following program do not necessarily represent those of this station or its management. This is the Northern Alliance Radio Network, the longest-running conservative talk show in the Twin Cities. It's great to be back in Minnesota today. Political analysis of the good, the bad, and the outright crazy. <laughs> now, here's your headline act, Mitch Bird. Welcome back, Twin Cities and World. It's the wind beneath the right wing. The show that's making talk radio great again, the Northern Alliance Radio Network, AM 12A, The Patriot. My name Mitch Berg. My blog, shotinthedark.info. And perhaps you've heard, elections coming up on Tuesday. All the talk, all the palaver, all the predictions, all the punditry, all the all the blind faith in some cases, all of the log rolling and the, thank God, all the gaslighting finally ends. All of the Democratic campaign ads, all of the the third-party dark money expenditures being poured into ads that criticize Republicans for dark money, third-party contribution ads, all of that ends 
Wednesday morning, Tuesday night, sometime it all goes away, and, and we all go to the polls sometime if you haven't already. And uh, honestly, I hope you haven't. The early polling exists, quite frankly, to get Democrats out of the jam that they're in nationwide. They, 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 they appear to be in nationwide. I should be honest when I say that. We'll talk about polling in the second hour here today. Talk about polling and the outlook for the election. And quite frankly, and, and why I'm voting Republican and why I think you should, too. And it would be fair and somewhat accurate to say, oh, Mitch, you, you're a conservative talk show host. Of course you're going to vote for Republican. I mean, yeah, it, it is true. I'm a conservative. I have voted for precisely one Democrat since I became of voting age. I voted for my first presidential election for Ronald Reagan's second run in uh, what, 20, 20 years ago. <clears throat> and I voted almost without exception for Republicans since the big exceptions were my four years as a libertarian where I voted for whatever token element of resistance the Libertarian Party threw up there, including myself at one point in 1998, a story I've told many times on this show. And maybe I'll get to again. We'll see. Not today. We and uh, and I've, I did vote, in fact, for one Democrat, one Democrat, and one Democrat only in all my years of voting, and that would have been my state senator in 1996, only because there was no oppo- uh, Republican opposing her in my district at that point, and because whatever her other faults, and they were many, I mean, it was Ellen Anderson for the love of God, uh, she did at least have a very good constituent service person who went on to become one of very few demonstrably sane city council people in the city of St. Paul, certainly much more so than the one I have. Where were we? Oh, yeah, election time coming up. We'll be talking about that because right now you, if you are watching the ads, watching the polls, watching the newscasts, you're being pulled in a lot of different directions. You have a lot of people trying to pull you in different directions here. And I want to focus you away from some of the background noise and the chatter that's going on about who 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 believes what who said what who what's what what they're saying about each other and frankly the polling numbers that are out there because we're about to partake I have a hunch either today or tomorrow in one of the great Minnesota traditions which is the Star Tribune Minnesota poll coming out the Sunday before the election and showing the DFL candidate for governor ahead by some absurd margin. It could be 12 points. It could be 24 points. It could be 11 to 20 points. Uh, 11 to 20 teen, I think, maybe even some years. Just just to... to I, I, I riff on the fact that it's intellectually dishonest to dismiss a poll just because of where it comes from and who's doing it. That's a logical fallacy called the appeal to authority. And maybe a little bit of ad hominem thrown in. And it's best to look at the polls, at why the polls are wrong in terms of facts. That being said, 12 years ago, uh, after the Star Tribune Minnesota poll and the NPR Humphrey Institute poll were essentially used as institute uh, in, as uh, as implements of voter suppression, quite frankly, I have been looking at those cross tabs. I've been looking at the information behind the polls and, and rejecting the idea that the institution itself is what makes it partisan. 
we'll be talking about in the second hour here today because that's important. And and frankly, the, the reasons that I'm voting for, uh, for a Republican, because while I have voted Republican pretty consistently outside of my brief flirtation with being a libertarian, uh, where I voted for was it Ron Brown? I think his name was for president. I forget his name. Doesn't matter. He's a pretty forgettable guy, like most libertarian candidates for president. Uh, the the and I say that with all due respect to my libertarian friends out there, but let's be honest. You you you. They may look differently, but they all talk the same, and that's that's fine. They all bring the same platform, and and it's a platform I largely support, and yet it's a wasted vote. I'll I'll just be honest, uh, and I say that with with all due respect and. To myself, for the choice I made to be a libertarian, anyway, way back when. I voted for one Democrat, long story short. I know, too late. I voted for one Democrat. I had my reasons. I voted for a few libertarians. I I had my reasons at that point. I thought that the GOP had completely forsaken conservatism. I was wrong. And I came back to the GOP for the simple reason that I thought being a part of the party that was actually in the arena pulling on an actual or pulling this country in hopefully the right direction was worth more than sitting resplendently above it all saying, hey, you guys are all a bunch of dunces for participating in the same rigged game. That's why I've I've gone around and around with some of my friends, people I actually respect, uh, who in all too many cases don't return that respect, who, who, who left the Republican Party in 2015, 2016 over Donald Trump. Because they, they had one issue or another with, with the, the former president, and I, I disagreed with them on some of those issues, and they, they were right on a few of them here and there. But the idea that you're going to make the country better that you're going to have any role in participating in in making the country uh, a better place or improving the Republican Party, if that's your point of view, by sitting outside of it and snickering at the people who remain involved, whatever their actual beliefs is, and I say this with all due respect, gabbling me <laughs> gabbling me moronic. It's a it's a it's a I I don't why well, I respect the people involved. I respect their points of view. I have no respect for that particular approach to dealing with politics. If you don't want to be involved, that's fine. Snickering at people who are or imputing motives upon them is not. And anyone who wants to have an intellectually honest discussion about that, I'm more than there for you. But I'm going to talk about that in the second hour today here because there's an issue that on its surface might seem like something of a tangent for the last broadcast before an election but in fact is one of the most important issues in this election. It's not an issue that really almost anyone talks about up front, front and center, as, a, as an issue in the election. And yet it's behind this election in every, every possible way. You look at every difference between the Republicans and the Democrats, especially at local and state level. And this issue tells you everything about the political divide that we have in America, about the uh, about the, the great sort that's going on in America, about the realignment, really, between the two political parties, which we'll be talking about in the second hour, how there are changes going on in the in the demographics, in the makeup of both parties that I don't think either party is really ready for. And I'm not going to say this issue is behind it all in the sense that this is the issue where if you solve it, you solve all your problems. It's not. 
but this is a motivating factor. I should say the issue behind this issue is the motivating factor behind the majority of American politics today. I I did my first talk show at at the Evil Talk Empire, AM 1500, in 1986 when I was uh, six years old. (laughs) I was six years old in 1986, and I was doing my first conservative talk show at two to four weekend mornings on a on the on the what used to be the talk station here in town at the 1500 now they're now an insignificant sports talk station and i haven't listened to them in 10 years but they used to be a talk station they used to be a great one and i used to be on it and i think the first time i noticed that america's that what really the, the big fact about america's political class divide when i was doing that talk show at the evil talk empire at the time back way back in 1986, 36 years ago when I was (laughs) six years old. And I I made what I thought at the time, because I was young and stupid, six years old, uh, the profound observation that while the American left had always talked in terms of of conflict between classes, between the rich and the workers, between the 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 the, the fat cats was the term of the time. I, it, today they call them one percenters. Back then in the 70s and 80s, the term was fat cats versus the working stiffs. And I and I pointed out that while the American left was always yapping about this class war in which they saw themselves or at least saw themselves as siding with the working stiffs against the fat cats, they, or at least the garden variety of they, really saw themselves as the little guy revolting against the Leviathan, where in at least one contest, at that time the one I was focusing on was the gun control debate, they, big left, were in fact the patricians trying to keep all of the unruly plebs in line and the people fighting against gun control, the people fighting for the Second Amendment, as luck would have it, were the unruly plebeians. Now, I was young and naive. Again, six years old, 36 years ago. <clears throat> Literally every... But I I tripped onto this and elaborated over this last 36 years. And yeah, sure enough, literally every cultural argument breaks down on these lines. Down to the rhetoric that big left uses on issue after issue after issue. You you look at all of them, especially the issue I'm about to talk about here after the break. And and that's this is how these issues break out on class lines. And that class law's biggest flashpoint in recent years, over in Europe it was Brexit before Donald Trump was elected, and Donald Trump getting elected in the United States. The big government response to COVID, by the way, was an extension of that social skirmish, which brings me to this week's biggest, gnarliest, I think, other than the election, most interesting story. The argument over the case for or against amnesty for culture war criminals, shall we call them. It's COVID on its face, but it's really a cultural war crime. We'll talk about it when we come back. 651-289-4488. Join us, won't you please? We'll be right back. So 
soaking up the sun in Fiji, walking through the sculpture garden in Minneapolis, or standing in awe at the Grand Canyon. We're where you are. Stream AM 1280 The Patriot at odyssey.com or with the free Odyssey app. Jesus said, blessed are the persecuted for righteousness sake. And I can assure you they are suffering big time right now. Hey, it's Michael Woolworth with Bible League International. As you know, I travel the world on behalf of Bible League and I meet these heroes of the faith. I find that persecuted believers show two characteristics. Number one, they love their enemies. They don't hate those that persecute them. They want to see them come to a saving grace in Jesus Christ. And then secondly, they count it all joy to suffer for the Lord Jesus. I mean, that's the kind of work that I want to support. And I'm so grateful that you're doing that right now. We want to put the Bible into the hands and hearts of 1,600 Bibleist persecuted believers who are praying for God's Word right now. Thank you to Mark of St. Paul, Barbara of Minneapolis, John of Brooklyn Center, and many others getting involved as Bible senders. You know, time is running out, but at $5 a Bible, you know, if we saw several dozen of you right now make your most generous gift, we would be at goal. Pray about it and then call 800-YES-WORD. 800-YES-WORD. 800-YES-WORD or give at am980themission.com. And God bless you for caring. What's your legacy? When it's your turn to depart this earth, what will you leave behind? Whether it's a lot or a little, you certainly don't want to leave a mess. Tune in to this week's Money Matters with Alan Mike because they'll be discussing your legacy issues, the tough ones, the situations that cause problems with estate plans, and how to avoid them. Make sure you listen to Money Matters with Alan Mike, noon Saturday on AM 1280 The Patriot, or call them now with your questions at 855-231-6010. Hello, I'm Karen Atia. I'm running to be the next senator for Rogers, Dayton, Champlin, Eastern Brooklyn Park, and a tip of Coon Rapids. After a long career as a critical care nurse and a successful small business owner, I am ready to take my passion of caring for people to the state Senate. I am committed to working on your behalf to address the hard issues that are impacting our lives every day. Threats to personal safety, increased cost of living, and high taxes are the top issues I'm hearing about over and over at the door. Over the past two years, these concerns have been intensifying. Change is needed. We deserve better. I am ready, and I am capable of being part of that change. I respectfully ask for your vote. I am Karen Atia. Connect with me at www.atiaforsenate.com. Prepared and paid for by Atia for Senate. Hear the top voices in conservative radio on your Amazon smart speaker. Now streaming AM 1280 The Patriot. Intelligent radio. Just ask Alexa to play The Patriot Minneapolis. That's play The Patriot Minneapolis. AM 1280 The Patriot, the Northern Alliance Radio Network. Perhaps you've heard election night is coming up Tuesday. Starting at 8 o'clock for live coverage from the GOP election night headquarters in St. Louis Park. We're going to be at a, a hotel. I can't remember the name of the hotel, but there's there's two trees involved. Oh, come on. If I can't steal a Mitch Hedberg joke, who can't? Anyway, the Narn is going to be there. Jack Tomczak, Brad Carlson, and I will be keeping a close eye on key races nationwide and statewide. We're also going to be chatting with our friends uh, like Kendall Qualls and Lynn, uh, Liz Collin from Alpha News. You can stream with our free app or go to am12athepatriot.com. By the way, it's brought to you by our good friends at uh, North Oaks Financial Services. 
can't thank them enough for making this broadcast possible. That's Jack, Brad, Liz, Kendall, and myself live at the place of two trees. Oh, the Double Tree. Thank you very much. The Double Tree in St. Louis Park. Hope you can join us there or live and on the air. I don't know what the credentialing's like. I don't know if you need a press pass or if you need to show that you're a public or what. I have no idea. I haven't tried to get people in here other than myself for a long time. Uh, I know it's going to be a big, it's going to be an interesting night. And we'll talk about exactly how in the second hour. We'll be talking about polling and about the likelihood of of things going well or badly here in Minnesota. I mean, <laughs> oh, it's it's. I'm feeling a little triggered already just talking about it. But we'll we'll come back to that in the second hour here. Uh, exactly what to look forward to. And by the way, I hope you can all tune in if you can't make it there in person. So before the break, we were talking about the issue. I was talking about the issue that that leads up and is really kind of under so many of the issues in our society today. And. The, the the interesting discussion was started this past week by a woman named Emily Oster in the Atlantic who asked a question uh, in an article entitled, Let's Declare a Pandemic Amnesty, and, and wondered if we might just bury the hatchet about all the COVID overreaction and call a social mulligan and just move on. Yeah, just forget all those transgressions that, that happened in 2020 and 2021. She She wrote, We have to put those fights aside and declare a pandemic amnesty. We can leave out the willful purveyors of actual misinformation while forgiving the hard calls that people had no choice but to make with imperfect knowledge. Los Angeles County closed its beaches in the summer of 2020. Ex post facto, this makes no more sense than my family's masked hiking trips. (laughs) But we need to learn from our mistakes and then let them go. We need to forgive the attacks, too, because I thought schools should reopen and argue that schools as a group were uh, students, rather, as a group were not at high risk. I was called a, quote, teacher killer and a, quote, genocidaire, end quote. (laughs) It wasn't pleasant, but feelings were high, and I certainly don't need to dissect and rehash that time for the rest of my days. And and by the way, it's easy to look at that, listen to that and go, (laughs) you sound a little bit like... I don't know, a war criminal arguing that it's time to just sort of let sleeping dogs lie. David Strom, who is a former colleague, I mean, he was actually here on uh, AM 12A, The Patriot, up until, I don't know, 2009, 2010 or so, uh, who's moved on to hot air now, along with Ed Morrissey. And he wrote a really, I thought, gracious column last week at Hot Air about this piece. It kind of met Dr. Oster halfway, uh, saying, and I quote, Dr. Oster has, quote, Generally been a voice of reason on COVID policy, and even where I disagree, I respect her, which is a good, even-handed way of approaching it. And I quote, she supported policies I considered and consider appalling, yet she always shared her reasoning and her doubts. Plus, she vigorously opposed the COVID excuse to destroy education, and that deserves great respect. So far, so good. Dr. Oster's premise is simple and easy to grasp, and under normal circumstances, one with which I could be sympathetic. During the initial phases of COVID, people were making decisions in an environment dominated by near-total ignorance of the seriousness of COVID, so we should forgive each other for the mistakes made by people and policymakers. And I get that. And by the way, David's right about that. He's absolutely right. And by the way, if you're not reading him at Hot Air, I mean, having former co-host Ed Morrissey at Hot Air isn't enough reason. David Strom's there now, too. So you should be reading both of them every day. It's always uh, a great read. And and he's right about that to this point here. There, there, 
you, you don't have to completely tear a person down to disagree with them. And Dr. Oster, call, let's call her 50-50. 50% right, 50% wrong. She was right on a lot of things. She admits being wrong about a few herself. More power to her so far. But David Strom comes back to the issue saying, and I quote, Once data started rolling in and the true scope of the danger was known, COVID became a political cause for the far left, not a public health issue. Public policy and social behavior was no longer grounded in any connection to reality and became a political signifier. And every single awful consequence that has come from the use of COVID as a political cudgel to attack those of us who demanded a rational, measured response is entirely blameworthy. The people who did this must pay a price. And I continue quoting David Strom, quote, COVID fanatics deserve every single bit of the consequences that are coming for them and far, far more than they will suffer. I'm inclined to agree with David's premise, probably because Dave and I have our similarities when it comes to intellectual and political engagement with the other side. Uh, in March and April, maybe maybe into May of 2020, when we really didn't know what was going on, didn't really know that COVID wasn't going to be a demographic lawnmower going through a, a cabbage patch, killing vast swaths of the population. Absolutely. I'm, I'm with you. As of, I mean, I remember the feeling standing in line at the liquor store, uh, a completely packed liquor store on St. Patrick's Day, listening, having just listened to the governor's press conference, thinking, I really don't know where this is going to go, and I am going to bundle up here for a while. You didn't know. I didn't know. There were people who had their assumptions from word one, and and they were based on just as much vapor as the other side turned out to be in terms of whether the, the pandemic was going to be dangerous. There were people came right out of the gate. So it's, it's just flu, which is not true. And there were people out there who, who said, this is going to be like the bubonic plague. It's going to cut us. It's going to cut through the population like a lawnmower through a cabbage patch. They were wrong. But in the first month, I would say from St. Patrick's day, which is really, when it all that's when my company sent all of uh, my colleagues home for a year and three months uh, until probably May. In fact, I can pick out the exact date when I knew that uh, that the wheels had come off the public health response point of view in Minnesota it had turned into purely a political issue. Governor Waltz declared his state of emergency in mid-March, right around St. Patrick's Day, uh, with an awful lot of us, not all of us, certainly, but, but many of us going, you know, until we know more, there's parts of it that, in fact, may make sense. We'll see. Bring the evidence. Because governor, the governor was predicting, likely, and I don't want anyone to forget this, Governor Waltz said in one of his early press conferences that the likely death toll in Minnesota alone was entirely possibly going to be 70,000 Minnesotans dead by July, in other words, within four months. And best case, if every single break broke in the right direction, 20,000 dead by mid-July of 2020. And you bet your life that was scary. Even for 
someone who who was waiting for all the facts. That was that was cautionary. And, and let's be honest, none of us knew really any better. We may have had hunches, we may have had prejudices, we may have been talked into one point or view or another by other people around us, but none of us knew. But I knew the wheels were coming off the idea that that was a scientific conclusion. When we got to May of 2020, two months later, May 17th to be exact, May 17th, 2020, the governor was giving one of his periodic press conferences with the Minnesota Department of Health. And he went on the, I was listening to it at the time, waiting in line for, waiting in a parking lot for some takeout. And a reporter did what heretofore had been largely unthinkable in Minnesota, actually asked the governor a tough question. He said, I forget who it was. It may have been uh, the, the guy from Minnesota Public Radio, of all things. He asked the governor, so when are you going to share the mathematical model that you use to reach that 20,000 to 70,000 dead figure? And the governor, actually the governor's public health economist, the, the economist for the Minnesota Public uh, Department of Public Health, uh, said, well, we don't want to let that code out there because people might use it to reach different conclusions than we have. And I sat in my car, and by the way, Minnesota had had, far from being on its way to 20,000 to 70,000 dead over the previous two months, we were still, I believe, in the low thousands at that point. Roughly, 95%, 90 to 95% behind predictions. And watching community spread setting in, but not completely gutting the entire population. Largely focused at that time, especially among the particularly vulnerable, the elderly, the, the, the obese, potentially, people with pre-existing conditions were particularly vulnerable, and, and the rest of the state, not so much. Children? Barely at all, and even those had pre-existing conditions. And we were thinking, okay, maybe we need to reanalyze some of these assumptions because science was coming out. I published, I publicized on this very broadcast at the end of April articles from the CDC talking about how they were discovering that it was almost entirely spread by air, through the air, via airflow, not by touching surfaces, not by all of these things that superstition was telling us. And this was the opposite of science. AM 12A, The Patriot. We'll be right back. C.S. Lewis once said, Education without values seems to make man a more clever devil. A Christian education is the solution to this problem and can be yours for half price for your child's first year. TwinCitiesTuitions.com and area schools are working together to make this a reality for families just like yours. Now you can equip your child with the knowledge and moral foundation needed for them to make an impact in today's world. To see the full list of participating half-off tuition institutions, go to TwinCitiesTuitions.com. That's TwinCitiesTuitions.com. I grew up in Gary, Indiana, one of the poorest cities in the nation. My parents decided to move to Minnesota to find better opportunities, and Minnesota was able to provide them. I want everyone in the state of Minnesota to have the same opportunities we were given, and that's why I'm running for Minnesota State Senate. My name is Jim Bean III. I am a father, I am a husband, I am a community member, and I am an advocate 
and voice for everyday Minnesotans. Prepared and paid for by the committee to elect Jim Bean third. Okay, we are running a car drive right now to help veterans all across America. So if you have an old car, truck, or van, even a motorcycle or an RV sitting around, you can right now give it away and help the vets. They really need your help. And your car will help support the vets and their families. And guess what? You even get a tax donation. Plus, we'll even come and pick up your car for free. And all you've got to do is pick up your phone right now and make a free call. Now is the perfect time to do something good for the vets. Give back to the vets right now for all they've done for this country. And your old car can really help them. So call the Veterans Car Donation Program right now for free pickup of your vehicle. Help the vets and help your taxes at the same time. Call right now. 800-884-9018. 800-884-9018. That's 800-884-9018. Dad, guess what? What? You are going to be a grandfather. That's great. Not too long ago, moments like this with my daughter would have been a challenge. It was a long road for me to find myself again after Vietnam. It was my neighbor Jim, another Vietnam veteran, who finally convinced me that I could still connect with my family and find that fulfilling life I'd lost. And I went for help down at the VA. If I can take that first step after almost 50 years, I know other veterans can too. Visit maketheconnection.net to find out more. If it was 1990, you'd be listening to your favorite radio station on a bulky boom box that burns through D batteries faster than you can say, you've got mail. Thankfully, it's the 21st century, and there are much better alternatives. For example, just ask Alexa to tune in. Alexa, play the Patriot Minneapolis. It's time to throw out that old beeper and get with the times. Listen to your favorite AM 1280 to Patriot hosts in high quality with Alexa and Amazon Echo. AM 1280, The Patriot, the Northern Alliance Radio Network, 651-289-4488, the number to call. Hey, don't forget, our November Regnery Book of the Month is coming up. It's a surprise, but it's going to be awesome. Sign up to win an autographed copy of the Freedom Fan Club at the am1280thepatriot.com. Regnery Publishing, by the way, is owned by the same people that own this very radio station. So you can keep it all in the family, as they say. Northern Alliance Radio Network. 651-289-4488. By the way, you can join us at 651-289-4488, or you can join us on Twitter, Gab, Parlor, MeWe, and Getter at hashtag NarnShow. That's N-A-R-N Show. By the way, if you disagree with me, as I've said to, well, I've been saying for 18 and a half years on this broadcast right now, you get on the air first. G-Money, my producer, has standing orders. If you disagree with me, you get on the air before anyone else. And that's uh, that's to try that at the uh, at the insipid imitation of a liberal talk station down at uh, at that lower frequency. Uh, try that for that matter at, at uh, Minnesota Public Radio. They, good luck getting anywhere. Uh, anyway, six five one two eight nine four four eight eight or hashtag Narn Show at uh, at. Uh, Oh, yeah, all the social media that matter. Twitter, Gab, Parler, Me, We, and Getter. Anyway, we're talking about Dr. Emily Oster's article about looking for a COVID amnesty. And like David Strom, longtime friend of this broadcast, longtime colleague of this broadcast, 
I I don't disagree, at least in principle. You you like to forgive and you like to move on, and yet forgiveness without atonement is meaningless, especially when you're dealing with the the effects that the politicization of COVID had on the population here in Minnesota, nationwide, worldwide, really. But here in Minnesota in particular, because, yes, as David says, like Dr. Oster says, in March and April and maybe early May of 2020, certainly done by the, by the early to mid-summer, this was no longer about keeping people alive. This was about exerting political control over people. And everything that came, and, and I talked about the, the moment that I, I realized that this was about nothing but political control. And the opposite of science was May 17th, 2020, a, a, a date and a time and an event that was, to paraphrase John Kerry, seared in my memory. Sitting outside a barbecue joint in Shoreview, Arden Hills, Shoreview, same difference, uh, waiting for some takeout. And hearing the governor's press conference and hearing the state's uh, public health economist saying, well, we don't want to give out the code to the model that predicted 20,000 to 70,000 dead and is currently off by a solid order of magnitude, if not more, because people might use it to reach a different conclusion than we had. And, And give that answer without being without any sort of pushback from the media, because, of course, you couldn't push back during those press conferences because they weren't in person. It was a telephone conference, and once you got your question in, boom, you're off. But nobody followed up on this. And I'm sitting in the parking lot yelling, somebody else might reach a different conclusion. That's what science is. You put your experiment out there, you put your formula out there, and you let peers, other people, kick the tires on the data and on the mechanics of your experiment and on your formula and on your model and see if they get different results and find out why and and ask the questions that you need to ask to find out who is actually on the way towards the truth. And from that moment, and certainly from early summer on and everything after that, everything that came after that, the, the closed schools, the the 2005 tsunami of mental health issues, the endless emergency declarations, the the boarded over basketball hoops and, and chained off tennis courts and boarded up, closed down garden shops because you didn't want people out in their backyards planting flowers during a pandemic, for the love of God. All of that. All of the social log rolling and gaslighting and and the eternal caricature of the Karen nagging and hectoring you into to staying out of the public square to to assuage their feelings of anxiety and more importantly their thirst and hunger for power over other people. That for that there needs to be a reckoning for forgiveness to happen. Forgiving something that destroys so many lives. Did I say destroys so many lives? Yes. There will be no forgiveness for the shutting down of medical care, for the the not just elective surgeries, but diagnostic 
appointments and follow-up appointments for cancer patients and heart disease patients who direly needed to stay in touch with their doctors but were locked out for months and months at a time. How many cancer patients died before they should have? How many cases of cancer and heart disease went undiagnosed for a period that allowed them to set into an untreatable level before the governor decided it was okay to let people into the doctor's office? How many people died waiting for treatments that were that fell on the other side of the political correctness divide? For everything that came after that I'm going to call it May 17th, 2020, but you can call it mid-July. Let's call it, let's let's say mid-July, when roughly, instead of 20,000 Minnesotans had died, something like 1,200 maybe were had, had passed away. Tragic, every last one of them. But not 20,000, certainly not 70,000, as the model had predicted. Now, after that, or after this, and this was uh, a, uh, a fellow named Lyman uh, St- Stone, uh, Lyman Stone, a Democrat activist in Kentucky, tweeted and, and caught up so much of the inner id of, of Big Karen, let's just call them. And I quote, See, this misunderstands how quarantine would work. We don't need the police to drag you to a quarantine site. We'll just garnish your wages and put a lien on your house and freeze your bank accounts, and then you'll go bankrupt. People like this want to ask for an amnesty. My counter offer is, let's start with military tribunals. For all of the millions who couldn't get their cancer treatments, their follow-up appointments for their chemotherapy, uh, their heart disease and other chronic, uh, sometimes life-threatening conditions seen or diagnosed or treated, or the mental health issues that went untreated, undiagnosed, unseen, For my money, drumhead court-martials are too good for these people. For the bans on funerals, for the thousands of loved ones who died alone in hospitals and long-term cares, completely on their own. For all the families who had to watch their loved ones die on video or hear about it on the phone after the fact. For the people in my family who endured this, my my mother's husband died in March of 2020, right at the beginning of the pandemic, right at the beginning of the lockdowns. And I desperately wanted to move her down to Minnesota, but long-term care in Minnesota was, was more dangerous than any place else in the country in so many ways. One of the most dangerous places in the country was long-term care facilities in Minnesota. So I didn't dare. And I couldn't, even if I'd wanted to try, I couldn't do it because nobody was allowed to move in without government permission. And so my mom sat alone, locked down in a nursing home in North Dakota. And I don't know how much faster she deteriorated sitting there alone in a in a long-term care in North Dakota, mourning a husband she could still kind of remember by herself family able to visit maybe through a window when they made the thousand-mile round trip up there to do it until I could get her moved. I don't, 
I, I'm not alone. I know I'm not the only ones. And I think of the families who's as as Minnesota's long term cares were were down there with New York's in terms of pure carnage of the vulnerable. I have no idea how many families watched their loved ones die via video or had no contact at all as they slipped away. I was lucky. I was able to. <laughs> my mother was in a state where common sense reigned until I could get up and get her and move her here and be around family. But you want an amnesty? Talk to the hand. Let's go to the phones. Uh, in St. Paul, Northern Alliance Radio Network, Tom, you are live and on the air. Hi, Mitch. How are you doing? <clears throat> Never better. Great. I agree with pretty much everything you say today. Um, but the the uh, um, the the death rate with respect to COVID worldwide, I think, is akin to just a regular flu. Uh, if you look at the numbers uh, currently, we've uh, we've had roughly six million people worldwide succumb to COVID. Yep. Uh, and and do we? I mean, that number. You know, is it? Uh, is it accurate or not? That's questionable too, yeah. because you know we have the death with and the death of, uh, and COVID just kind of sets things in motion, and you know, right. determining if it's you know. So with the, with that said, so uh, tell me where I'm going wrong here. So if you take the six million worldwide that have perished, and we can all agree that COVID has uh, gotten to all corners of the planet by now, yep. um, you know, still are just coming but at this point uh if you divide six million by seven billion it's a pretty small fraction yeah no i understand what you're saying tom and and the the idea that we have to split hairs between okay it's it's like it's like the flu but the bad flu not the flu that we all have been catching since we were five six years old here in in place in in the northern climates uh yeah there's yeah, closer to the Spanish flu of a hundred years ago than it is to the the sort of flu that we've all had. I mean, I don't, I don't know that we gain much from splitting hairs. Yes, it was incredibly oversold, especially here uh, in in Minnesota. I mean, we we came in, we <laughs> we are still a solid order of magnitude below the worst case uh, estimates for the first four months, and it's been going on three years right now. Uh, so. I don't know that I disagree with you. It's it's more dangerous than the kind of flu we all accept as a normal part of life in the winter here uh, for people in moderately good health. And I've had two good friends of mine from high school succumb to COVID, so it's not it's not it's not an idle thing to me. But when you look <laughs> more, when we come back. Northern Alliance Radio Network, AM twelve A, The Patriot, go nowhere. AM twelve eighty, The Patriot. Salmon fishing in Alaska, at an amusement park in Green Bay, or taking a stroll through Loring Park. We're where you are. Stream AM 1280 The Patriot at odyssey.com or with the free Odyssey app. Need new windows but don't want to sit through long, high-pressure sales calls? I get it. What if I told you you could get competitive quotes from three contractors after one short meeting with me on any window brand? And it's all free. Visit My Three Quotes online. That's My Three Quotes. Hi, this is Representative Nolan West. Did you know that 40% of convicted criminals with presumptive prison sentences are put 
right back out on the street on probation here in Minnesota. This is from years of horrible Democrat leadership in our state. Please remember to go vote either today or on Election Day for Republican candidates who can bring law and order back to Minnesota. Prepared and paid for by West for Minnesota. Dr. Gorka here, and I want to talk to you for a minute about 100% drug-free Relief Factor. I've been taking Relief Factor for years now to help me deal with pain in my body. My wife takes it as well. The reason we tell everyone uh, we know about it is simple. We found it really works to help our bodies fight off the inflammation that causes aches and pains. Whether it's the pain of injuries you've sustained or just the natural pains from the mileage over the years, Relief Factor can help. I've never looked back. Almost 70 percent of the more than half a million people who have tried relief factor end up ordering more that's because it works for them the way it works for me isn't it time for you to get out of pain your first step to becoming pain-free should be to order the three-week quick start for the discounted price of only 19.95 go to relieffactor.com or call 800 for relief to find out more about this offer that's relieffactor.com or call 800 for relief feel the difference I appeal to you to fight. I fully recognize not everyone has a fighting nature, but everyone can help fighters. What's wrong is not to do either. If the troops have no supplies, the troops are worthless. This station is a fighter. So there's a very simple way for you to help this station, and that is just patronize their sponsors. Help us continue to keep the Twin Cities right by supporting the local businesses you hear on this station. Salem Surround partners with your business to deliver custom digital marketing solutions. Surround your target audience wherever they engage, search, surf, socialize, or review to keep your business top of mind. Learn more at minneapolis.salemsurround.com. Have you lost your gun rights due to an old criminal offense? Have you been denied a permit to carry or a purchase of a firearm? I'm attorney Kelly Keegan, and I can help. Schedule a free consultation at keeganlawoffice.com. That's K-E-E-G-A-N lawoffice.com. AM 1280, The Patriot, the Northern Alliance Radio Network. Hey, many organizations send clean water and food to those in need. Now, God's people, us, understand the importance of also sending the word. Right now, you can give a new believer a Bible in their language. Go with Stand to Them, uh, Stand with Them, Bibles in the Persecuted Church at AM1280ThePatriot.com. Northern Alliance Radio Network. AM 12A, the Patriot. 651-289-4488, the number to call. Uh, you can also join us on uh, hashtag Narn Show at, uh, on, on Twitter, Gab, Parler, MeWe, and Getter. Uh, Mark, Lock, uh, Mark L. on Twitter asks, have we heard Governor Waltz speak? Speaking on the amnesty topic here, as we heard Governor Waltz say, I'm sorry, no, he he won't. It would be a bad political idea. You, you never you never apologize for anything in the middle of a campaign because your opponent will use it against you. And by the way, in this case, it would be entirely fair. But he's also him and his audience, progressive Democrats, especially the upper middle class white women that are the predominant demographic in the Democratic Party these days in the DFL, uh, by the way, who largely are synonymous with Karen, uh, approve overwhelmingly of of the governor's actions during the pandemic. And that's what we're talking about here, is just the, the, the way that the pandemic didn't just 
get turned to use as a as a political cudgel to benefit the people who are largely the ones who benefit from DFL and Democrat policies these days, the, the laptop class, the employees of the technical and nonprofit industrial complexes, one of which I am, by the way. I mean, I, I wrote out the pandemic in some style. I never missed a paycheck. I worked from home. Pretty awesome until you start going nuts from lack of social contact. I... The, the call for amnesty, actually, there have been some excellent responses, one of which I'm aspiring to be, but one that came out this past week uh, in Unheard by a woman named Mary Harrington, a Brit, who made the case against COVID amnesty, uh, or rather one part of a huge case, really not for amnesty, but I think what, what they call it, other parts of, of diplomacy, a Truth and Reconciliation Commission. What happened there was not public health. It wasn't science. It, 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 it was partly control, but it was really another salvo in an epic class war. Like gun control, like economics, like the minimum wage, this is America's patrician class's way of getting the plebs back. It's their retribution in England, for in the U.K. and Europe for Brexit. And here in America, it's their way of getting you back for voting for Donald Trump. I, I listed the article uh, in a piece this past week entitled De Guayo. It's a Spanish word for no mercy. And one of the many money pull quotes from the piece was by Mary, Mary Harrington, uh, who was pregnant about this time two and a half years ago, who pointed out that, and I quote, public faith and objectively shared political ground was already dissolving while my daughter, uh, before my daughter was born. If the virtuals have a problem now, it's that their counter volley to Trump and Brexit consumed the last vestige of trust in that shared political ground, our faith in science. And the notion that such ground exists is the sine non of virtual political legitimization in the current technocratic form. In this light, Dr. Oster's call for amnesty can present itself as an effort to rebuild the neutral space of shared political endeavor after a period of conflict. But it reads as a continuation of now familiar efforts to weaponize the appearance of this neutrality and common purpose in the interests of one side of that conflict. We all knew every pandemic policy was going to come with trade-offs, every last one of us. The lawn signs, those stupid, in this house we believe science is real, that there are no illegal humans, etc. You know the ones I'm talking about, that mob. The, the lawn sign priesthood forbade any discussion of those trade-offs. I don't blame the class that so piously dressed their own material interest as the common good for wanting to dodge the baleful looks now coming your way. But no amnesty will be possible that doesn't acknowledge the class politics, the corruption of the scientific process, the self-dealing, and the self-righteousness that went into enforcing those grim years of lawn sign tyranny. And that nailed it right there. As another good friend of mine pointed it out, uh, a person I've had on this broadcast, over this past two and a half years, and by the way, we talked probably close to a year and a half ago on this broadcast, the laptop class, in going through its motions of shutting down, quote, non-essential, end quote, businesses and, and putting other people out of work, shutting down small businesses while leaving big box stores open, uh, badgering people into 
uh, into staying closed, into staying home, into into walking around completely submissive to government edict. They prospered immensely. Let's not ignore the fact that the people represented by the, the people we satirically refer to as Karen, they prospered during the lockdowns. They worked for the nonprofit industrial complex or for government or for the teachers' unions, either as, as union employees or, or as, as unionized employees. Or they work for companies, as as I do, quite frankly, for my day job, because this weekend radio job does not pay all my bills. They work for companies whose, whose wares are immune, more or less, at least for a while, to the vagaries of public health lockdowns and states of emergency. They prospered immensely while your little family-owned business suffered. They were not affected while you watched your loved ones dying in nursing homes by video, while their grandiers went to the funeral of George Floyd, packed in like sardines because it was politically correct, and by the way, wrote themselves an exemption for rioting because according to these same, quote, scientists, sometimes a little rioting is good for public health. The, the double standard was there for everyone to see. We'll talk more about it. Let's talk about the election when we come back. Northern Alliance Radio Network, AM 1280, The Patriot. Go nowhere. The fun is half over, which means it's still only beginning. said, blessed are the persecuted for righteousness sake, and I can assure you they are suffering big time right now. Hey, it's Michael Woolworth with Bible League International. As you know, I travel the world on behalf of Bible League and I meet these heroes of the faith. I find that persecuted believers show two characteristics. Number one, they love their enemies. They don't hate those that persecute them. They want to see them come to a saving grace in Jesus Christ. And then secondly, they count it all joy to suffer for the Lord Jesus. I mean, that's the kind of work that I want to support, and I'm so grateful that you're doing that right now. We want to put the Bible into the hands and hearts of 1,600 Bibleist persecuted believers who are praying for God's Word right now. Thank you to Mark of St. Paul, Barbara of Minneapolis, John of Brooklyn Center, and many others getting involved as Bible senders. You know, time is running out, but at $5 a Bible, you know, if we saw several dozen of you right now make your most generous gift, we would be at goal. Pray about it and then call 800-YES-WORD. 800-YES-WORD. 800-YES-WORD or give at am980themission.com. And God bless you for caring. Okay, we are running a car drive right now to help veterans all across America. So if you have an old car, truck, or van, even a motorcycle or an RV sitting around, you can right now give it away and help the vets. They really need your help. And your car will help support the vets and their families. And guess what? You even get a tax donation. Plus, we'll even come and pick up your car for free. And all you've got to do is pick up your phone right now and make a free call. Now is the perfect time to do something good for the vets. Give back to the vets right now for all they've done for this country. And your old car can really help them. So call the Veterans Car Donation Program right now for free pickup of your vehicle. Help the vets and help your taxes at the same time. Call right now. 800-884-9018. 800-884-9018. 800-884-9018. That's 800-884-9018. I've got a math question for you. 
When you add tolerance, subtract prejudice, and multiply efforts to treat one another with respect, what do you get? Less division. And school sports have it down to a science. Looking for an example of what can happen when we realize there's more that unites us than divides us? Look no further than high school sports in Minnesota. This message presented by the Minnesota State High School League and the Minnesota Interscholastic Activities Administrators Association. Join Gene Sullivan each week on Where You Live, where he takes on... Uh, Gene, who do you take on anyway? Maniacal landlords, slippery renters, overbearing HOA boards, demanding homeowners. Oh, and the legislative lunacy brought on by local politicians wanting to fix everything for us. It's a common sense perspective on the news and stories that affect you the most right where you live. Join Gene Sullivan every Saturday morning at 10 a.m. on AM 1280 The Patriot. AM 1280 The Patriot. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.